What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Essential 11, brought to you by Acton Academy, Acton Academy Placer, and of course, ApogeeStrong.com. Also, don't want to forget our friends over at Discover Praxis. Check out the link below, Discover Praxis, the best thing you can do post-high school, uh, period. Uh, today's guest is a man by the name of Matt Schneider, and uh, we've gotten a chance to work with some of his co-workers here and, and uh, have some of his co-workers on the podcast as well as uh, on these Apogee calls because uh, he works with all the gentlemen over at the Modern Day Night Project and at the Squire program. Uh, and Matt is another piece of that. He's also just a, a brilliant entrepreneur running multiple companies. He's got a law enforcement background. He's a dad, uh, husbands, and uh, just an all-around good guy, which is exactly why we had him here and had a great conversation with the young men of Apogee. So I think you're going to enjoy this with Mr. Matt Schneider. Right on, man. We are ready to rock and roll. What is happening, sir? How are you? Life is good. I am awesome. I'm awesome. How are you? How is everybody? Man, life is good, dude. Thank you for uh, for taking the time to come on, man. So, I had a uh, I had a dream last night because I know you and I have gotten to to go back and forth like through IG and stuff like that, but we've never actually gotten to do gotten to do this. But uh, yeah. I had a dream last night that you got a hold of me and you're like, "Hey, man, I'm not doing this interview unless we can do it at Applebee's." Applebee's. At Applebee's. Yeah, I don't know why that was your restaurant of choice, but I was like, all right, man, cool. If we got to do it at Applebee's to make it work, that's weird, man, but let's do it. You know, it's all good. So we ended up doing it there. So thanks for not making us go to Applebee's, dude. Yeah, my, my pleasure. It's been many years since I've stepped into an Applebee's. Yeah, dude, me too. Yeah, that's random. That's, that's funny. Yeah, it is, man. Well, dude, pump, honestly, man, pumped to have you. Really thankful. And just so, to make sure you have context of, you know, uh, of all this. Um, you know, I, I have schools that I, that I run, that I open here. I got a few that I own here in, uh, in Northern California. I know you're down, uh, I know you're down South, uh, and, uh, have these schools that I'm opening, help Tim open his out there in Cedar park. And, uh, he and I just came together and went, man, aside from you guys rocking the Squire program, you know, there's not a lot of people out there pouring into the young men the way we could, you know, and leading the young men the way that, that, that we should and really bringing these guys up to be the leaders that they need to be. Um, and so that's what we're doing with this. We've got young men, you know, some that are obviously able to join us today, but from all over the world, we've got multiple states, multiple countries, uh, and the guys that can't make the live calls on Friday, they'll catch the recording of this. We'll, you know, put it out as an episode of the podcast and all that too. But um, it's rad, man. So you got a bunch of young men on here who are committed to leading and, and being the best of the best. So that's who we got with us today, man. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that, that's not pretty cool. That is that is incredible. That is amazing. It's the best. Uh, fellas, thank you for for taking the time and uh, for jumping on this. It's, if there's one thing that um, is amongst the most valuable in our lives, it's time and, and who you decide to share that time with and, and who you allow to be in your ethers and influence you is, is incredibly important. So it's a, it's a real honor uh, to be on here and that you guys are, are, uh, are giving me the privilege of, of having some of your time and attention. So thank you. Thank you for that, sir. Yeah. And, and again, privilege is ours and that's, you know, your whole, your whole crew down there. And I want to jump into, you know, we'll, we'll jump into a little bit about you and kind of your upbringing and kind of what brought you to where you are and, and all that. But, um, you know, I had nothing but love and respect for, for the entire crew down there. You know, I got to have, I think I had Ray on the podcast first, 
Um, you know, maybe about a year ago we connected, but Steve's come on with these guys. Steve was shooting me a text message last night out of the blue for nothing. I get to hang out with Bedros next week. Um, you know, he just, it's a bunch of just really good humans. We had Aaron jumped on here and, and chatted with these guys too, and got us all fired up, up growling out of our seats, man. So, um, so all of you guys, man, nothing but love and respect, man. So it's good stuff. Um, yeah, would love to honestly, man, just start a little bit about your origin story, kind of your X-Men origin story. You growing up, you know, as, as a young man, we've got guys on here as young as 12 and 13 up to mid 20s um so kind of your origin story man what uh where uh where you got to where you are now it is a story for sure good <laughs> um we've all we've all got them but mine is is um is definitely an interesting one so i guess as it pertains to really what's important and valuable here for this conversation is um i when i was three years old uh, my mom was was married to my biological father. She was uh, seven months pregnant with my little brother. My biological father was an abusive alcoholic. Um, and so um, one night he came home and he was he was drunk and he beat my mom uh, for the last time. Um, you know, at seven months pregnant, that was obviously very uh, concerning to her about the maybe the condition that uh, my little brother may have been in as a result. Thank God he was okay. Um, uh, and that the, the fetus wasn't, uh, wasn't injured. But when my, my biological father passed out, my mom collected, uh, whatever she could. And we snuck out in the middle of the night and, um, um, she got us out of that really toxic, really abusive, uh, circumstance. And that was my biological father. Um, tragic part of that story, uh, isn't necessarily even the, the beatings and the, and the environment and the abusive nature of what was going on as much as probably the fact that once, once they were able to have a conversation, uh, my father, he said to my mom that if she would agree to not, uh, charge him child support for his two sons, um, he would write off all uh, responsibilities and um, basically being the, the the father to to his sons, he would just he would write that off and uh, give up all all control and uh, basically part ways. Um, now at that age, you know, at three four years old, um, I'm I'm too young to really understand what's going on. But um, what what happened over the next um, series of years as I became a you know a, an adolescent and a young man and you know. Um, uh, a young man, your guys's age is my mom had this revolving door of men that would, would, um, come and go. And, um, I, I don't know if it was just, she was scared to be alone or she was, she was really just codependent. I'm not sure exactly what was going on there, but my mom, um, is currently on her ninth divorce, uh, currently. Um, and so if you can imagine, um, what, what that might look like, you know, the, that doesn't even account for the men that she would date, but not marry. Um, and so we would constantly have this, this revolving door of men coming and going, but I really, you know, what's interesting is when you're young, you really don't know what's normal versus what's not normal, right? When you're just, when you're young and you don't have a lot of life experience and a lot of exposure outside of your home, um, you think everything that's going on within your home is normal. Yep. That's right. And, uh, I remember vividly when I came to realize that what my circumstance was, was abnormal. Um, and that was, that was at a time when I, um, was probably eight years old or so. And, um, a friend came over and I was showing him some trophies that I had, 
I like, I like playing soccer. I like playing baseball and football. And I had these, these trophies on, on the wall and um, he's looking at them and he asked me why of these trophies, there's three different last names on, on some of the trophies. Yeah. And uh, I, at the time that he asked, I really didn't understand um, what was so confusing about it. And I said, you don't have, you haven't had different last names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he said, no, I've, I've, I have one dad and, and I've got his last name and that's the way it's always been. That was my like wake up moment, yeah. my aha moment of, of realizing that my circumstance was very different. And that was when I, it really started to bring me into a, a, a very confusing and challenging time uh, for my adolescence. Now, what I will say is that my mom was always, she was always, um, she always made sure that the men she brought in were going to be good to her kids. She was never willing to repeat uh, the, the, the past of abusive uh, behavior of, you know, um, toxic relationships with alcohol or other substances. Um, and so while, while the, the men would come and go, she would always make sure that, that she was going to be good to her kids. And there was, I have four siblings, so there was five of us kids all together. Um, so she always put us, put us, um, first and foremost in that way. But, um, at the same time the, she was always sort of absent as well because of the fact that, um, she was always being engaged in these relationships going through the honeymoon stage. And then, you know, yep. eventually it would deteriorate. She would repeat the process. Um, so I, I kind of went through the, the process, uh, of growing up watching this all happen. Um, and somewhere along the way, I made the decision that I would never do to my kids what she had done to her kids. And I just, and I realized that, that there was a, there was a fork in the road and there was a path that, that I needed to choose. And it was either repeat the cycle or break the cycle. And I chose to break the cycle. Um, so that's, that's kind of my, my upbringing. Um, if you fast forward to today, as far as family goes, um, I've been married for just over 15 years. I've um, only been married one time. Um, it, will, it will be the only time. I've got a beautiful uh, 12-year-old son who will be um, his half birthday is on Christmas. So nice. he turns 13. He'll be a teenager on, uh, on June 25th. Um, and, uh, we all do jujitsu together. We, we do, uh, um, a tremendous amount of things together. We do business together. Um, and it's, uh, it's an, it, it's an incredible thing because there's a saying out there that um, every person has two opportunities at the, at the parent child relationship. Um, the first time is when you're the child yep. and there you have a relationship with your parents and then, and then you have the opportunity to be the parent in a relationship with your child. And so I get to be on that second phase of the parent child relationship where I get to um, give and deliver and provide for my son, the things that were never provided for me. Um, and it's an incredible thing. So rad, man, dude. So how did you, you, you know, you got to that point where you're going, all right, man, there's a fork in the road and I can either continue this cycle or I can break this cycle. How did you come to that realization? Right. And I get to work with, you know, I've had the pleasure of working with, quite literally thousands and thousands of young people at this point. And you do see those patterns. You do see some of those young people who get to that point where they go, okay, I can either continue this or I can break this. And there's usually some sort of mentor involved, or there was some sort of, 
you know, there's not necessarily usually a defining moment from my experience, but there's a mentor there. There was um, something connected to athletics. There was something connected to a higher purpose, right, where they finally went, okay, if I'm going to make this happen or, or make this guy proud or whatever it is, that's how I'm going to break the cycle. So what was it for you? They got you to that point because I think, as you all know, a lot of society now is like, well, you know, you get extra brownie points, man, if you stay in that cycle, right? You get extra brownie points for saying, woe is me. I got the shit out of the stick, man. So now I guess I'm just the victim. Everybody take care of me. Everybody feel sorry for me. And you're getting extra brownie points for that. So what was it for you that made you kind of go, you know, I'm going to I'm going to break that cycle. I think what it was was. um coming to the realization of how unhappy my mom was um, because of her decision-making and how she was, she was inviting this, this unhappiness uh, and this cycle into her, into her life. And we were being subjected to it because as, as, as a, as a young man, and, and you guys are in this boat currently as a young man in the house, you're subjected to the environment in which you are, you are put in, um, by your parents or, or, or whoever is, is raising you. Right. And, um, and in my case, that environment was, was this unhealthy cycle where the person that I loved the most and the person that I wanted to see the happiest was constantly unhappy. And, and I, I understood it was because of her decision-making. Um, and I understood that it was because she was choosing easy over hard and she would, she would, she would choose to, to throw in the towel and quit every time the circumstance got hard. And that, that was a lesson to me that choosing easy over hard leads to unhappiness. That's right. And, and so I, I decided to take the opposite route to choose hard over easy and not give up and not throw in the towel when things got tough to see it through, to, to take ownership over, over the decisions I made and the environment that I created for myself and for those around me and, um, and see if, if that wouldn't change uh, the amount of happiness I could experience and others around me could experience. And, and what I found was um, in not quitting things, in seeing things through, in, in choosing to do hard things on purpose to see what lessons could come out of it and to see what I was made out of. And, and, and if I could make a commitment, keep it, uh, I, I, I found that that was the quote unquote secret yeah. that, um, that was missing in what my mom was, was experiencing. And then I just continued to, to push into it, to lean into the uncomfortable circumstances. Um, and all the while, um, never allow taking the easy way out, um, and allow myself to, to, to give up or quit something simply because it was challenging. I love it, man. I love it. So talk about what that looks like for you day to day. Now I know jujitsu is a, is a big thing for you. I know I've been watching, you've been, you've been out competing and, and doing a hell of a job, which is rad, man. I love seeing you out there competing. Um, what does that look like as far as pushing yourself there, pushing yourself, uh, work to give these guys a little background of kind of what you, you know, kind of the, the day to day and what kind of things you're, uh, you're into right now. Yeah. So I started my own, well, let me back up. I, I, uh, I became a police officer uh, when I, when I was, uh, 21, yeah. Where uh, I put myself again? through the Academy. What's that? Where at again? That was in Idaho. In Idaho. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. In 80 County. So I became an 80 County Sheriff, um, at the age of, um, well, I, I, I put myself through the police Academy, I self-sponsored through the police Academy at 21. 
Um, I continued. I got my college degree. Um, I, uh, I got my degree in psychology. Um, it, it, and it's kind of interesting and funny, but, um, I was so ill prepared just so you guys know, and could get a kind of a even better picture of how ill prepared I was because how I was raised. I didn't know college costs money. Does everybody here know that college costs money? Anybody that not realize that? I, I, yeah, I have a lot of first, yeah. I did not know I go to college and because elementary school was free and junior high was free and, and high school was free. I thought college was free. Um, so I, I start this college program about two, three weeks into it. I get a phone call from the registrar's office and they said, Hey, how do you plan on paying for your college tuition? Uh, that was the first time I had ever, I had ever heard of that before. That's how <laughs> ill prepared I was because of how, how, um, you know, how involved my mom was uh, with these other relationships as I grew up. So you're like, and, I don't uh, know. You're like, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think I should do? You got any ideas? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got an emergency student loan and, and uh, it was all, it was all, uh, all well and good, but um, uh, got the, went through the Academy, graduated with, um, uh, with my psychology degree and then uh, got hired with the 80 County Sheriff's office. So I did, I did that for about 10 years. I was on, uh, or about 12 years. I was on swap for five of that. Um, the U.S. Marshals fugitive team for two, um, did a little bit of undercover stuff as well along the way. And then, and then I opened up in 2013, opened up my own, um, uh, my special operations company. So I became an entrepreneur, um, learned a lot of lessons there. You talk about uh, challenging. There's a, there's a stat out there that, you know, the overwhelming majority of, of people who start their own companies, they fail in their first year. And the reason is, uh, well, there's a lot of reasons, but you can oftentimes tie it to the fact that um, it, once things get really hard and being an entrepreneur is really, really hard, they quit. They throw in the towel. They're not willing to do the thing and put in the work it takes to be successful. So rather than do that, they say, well, I tried. And then they, they throw in the towel and they move on. Um, it, it was just yet another example of, of where people will take um, the easy path instead of the hard one. Um, but I was able to grow that business, land some really amazing contracts with the U.S. military, the U.S. Department of Education. We did a lot of work within schools on um, how to prepare the students and the teachers and the administration on the event of uh, violence. And unfortunately, like what we just saw with the right. latest shooting that happened in the school, um, we would work with schools on developing response plans to something like that and working with the youth who were going down the, a, a path where potentially that could be something that they were um, um, you know, leaning into. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you kind of fast forward today, I'm the executive uh, vice president of a, um, of a global uh, software company. Um, it's, uh, it's uh, well on its way to be a $120 million uh, company. Um, and so I'm the executive vice president of it. I'm an instructor for the project, I'm instructor for the Squire program. I have a coaching um, program where I help other entrepreneurs uh, level up both personally and professionally um, and uh, and a few other things kind of sprinkled in there uh, awesome. operation black site and some other stuff but i like to keep myself really busy and Dang diversified i right. uh, right. work with people that's rad man and i love what you said right there because i quote i talk about that all the time the whole um you know entrepreneurship is risky right because so many uh, certain percentage of them are going to fail 95 percent of them are going to fail in that first year those first three years those first five years whatever it is and I always say it's not because people have that many bad ideas. It is because right. they're that bad at doing the hard thing every single day. It's yeah, there's literally 
trillions of dollars yep. and billions of great ideas buried in the cemeteries across this, this country. Yep. That's right, right man. People who, who, who didn't want to take the risk or, or didn't want to put in the work and, and um, the dreams and the opportunities the impact that all died with them. It, it's, there's no shortage of great ideas yep. of uh, things could really help impact and, and make a huge difference in the world. It's just a matter of, whether or not people are willing to do what it takes to get it done. That's right. That's what there's the shortage of. There's a shortage mm -hmm. of people willing to get dirty and get and get down in it. That's, that's where right. there's the shortage, man. And that's what we're trying to do with these young guys is tell them, man, you, you, you know, one of the things I tell these guys all the time is never, ever, ever been easier to be great. Yeah. In the history of the world, it's never been easier because one, there's more opportunity and there's more ways to spread your ideas. But two, there's never been this, I think, this much of a shift in a population of so many people who are clamoring to be mediocre at best. That's right. You That's know? right. Standing out doesn't take a whole lot, unfortunately. Dude, it does not. It does not. So, so how did you get connected with, uh, with the project and with the Squire program? We actually have a Squire uh, graduate on here, too. Yeah, I see Malachi in the group. Yeah, What's up, man, dude? Malachi's in here crushing. So good to see you. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. So, so how did you get how did you get connected with with those guys and with that whole that whole initiative? So it actually it, it's interesting. Um, uh, Bedros uh, was up in Idaho doing an event, um, and uh, I met him there. He and some others came over, and, and we did some shooting and moving stuff uh, just to kind of break up the monotony of some meetings that they were in. Um, and, uh, the, 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 uh, company that I had was a real big, um, uh, indoor training environment. It looked like a little uh, village inside of there. And so, um, very realistic. We did some running and gunning stuff. And what that led to was a, um, a conversation about how he would love to bring his son and experience something, uh, like that but that his son was young and, um, and he was looking for a, a an avenue to kind of have a, a crucible, you might yeah. say, um, something to where he could, he could put his son, son through something very challenging and, um, and help him make that transition from becoming, you know, a boy to a man. Yep. Right. And, and Bajor wrote a book, uh, read a book back when he, I think um, his wife was pregnant with his son and, and it was how to become a modern day knight. Yeah. And so Bader's really wanted to create something like that. And so what he ended up doing was bringing his son up um, with several others, about a dozen other people. And we just did this, this all day event where we really just pushed his son well outside of his comfort zone and, um, and it just exposed him to what it means to be a protector and a provider and, and somebody who, um, you know, they, they, they um, protect others that can't protect themselves. And when they, when they make a commitment, they keep the commitment. It was just this, this day of, of fun, uh, fun experiences where there were very important leadership and, and um, life lessons woven into it as to what, what does this world need when, when, when we talk about um, men who are showing up uh, as their, their true self, as their authentic self, um, uh, not a fraud, um, not somebody who, who says one thing, but does something else. And, and, um, at the end of it, it just ended with this very powerful moment where all the men that were involved, um, gave a few words of advice to his son to say, when I was your age, here's the things that I wish I would have known, um, and would have been told to me. And, uh, everybody went through that process. It was all recorded. 
And his son ended up listening to it on a regular basis. He would play this 15, 20 minute recording of these men giving him advice, um, you know, on a, almost on a weekly basis for a period of time. And, uh, and that's, that's what, uh, kind of planted the seed for the Squire program. That's awesome. The project did come before, um, the, uh, the, the Squire program. And I'm not sure if Aaron really sh- shared kind of the backstory to it, but, um, Bedros is very open about the experiences that he had growing up and, and being molested as a child. Um, and Aaron also shared that same thing. And, and what we wanted to do is, is create an environment where men, um, who were, were, um, living a mediocre life and, and staying in a comfortable place and, and um, not reaching their fullest potential because of whatever traumatic experience they may have, they may have experienced. We wanted to create a, a, a circumstance where we could facilitate them breaking through that, breaking through those barriers, um, really walking up, smacking the dragon, stepping back and seeing what they were made of and, um, and just creating this brotherhood in the process. Um, so, that's been about, uh, I think we're going on close to three years that we launched that program. That's awesome, man. So cool. That yeah. guy and the stories coming out of that, you know, I've gotten to connect with some of the guys coming out of, um, coming out of both programs really, you know, and, and obviously Ryan and, and his boy, Mickler and his boy, you know, got to yeah. do Squire, which is, which was rad. Um, getting to talk to Malachi and, and, uh, his experience there and, and, um, you know, a couple of the guys that have gone through the project and Isaac is, uh, Gallardo is one of the guys that I talked to quite a bit and, um, just some, you know, so much good stuff, man. So thankful for what you guys are doing, uh, doing on all that stuff. Gentlemen, I'm going to let you start putting your hands up in the, uh, in the chat here so that you guys can, can ask some, uh, specific questions here for Mr. Schneider. Logan, you got your hand up first, sir. So you are a go. Thank you so much for coming on the call today. I thought, uh, I think one thing that is really I'm going to use today in my life because I take, you know, that mentors say and bring them into my everyday life, which is what you're supposed to do. Right. But you said most businesses fail because people kind of opt, opt out of the, the, the hardships of it. And another thing I've been hearing from most of the mentors is that no like true growth is achieved through comfort, right? So I was wondering how you can take that big concept and put it in your everyday life. Like what kind of, it it doesn't have to be like a big business failing. Um, What kind of little things in the day do we tend to opt out of because it's hard? Like what, what do you think we could do to reduce that and just in our everyday life? Good question. Logan, such a cool question, dude. That's, that's a really cool heads up question. Um, what you can do in your everyday life, I would say be very guarded about who you allow to influence you, who you allow to be in your, in your circle. Um, I think there's no question, Logan, that that you, that you kids and you young men, um, are, are experiencing a totally different way of, of growing up than, um, than Matt and I uh, did. You know, we, when we went to school, we, we if there was bullies, if there were, if there was drama, if there were problems, if whatever was happening at school, at the end of the day, we could leave school and we could, we could get a break from whatever was going on. And we wouldn't see that bully or experience that drama or whatever the case was until the next day. Right. And if it was on a Friday, we get an entire weekend break from it. Um, you young men don't get that break because of social media, because of, of, 
you know, having cell phones and text messages and stuff, the, 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 the potential of constant 24 hour, seven day a week exposure to those, those circumstances is something that, that Matt and I didn't have to go through that you all are. Um, but, um, it, it makes it so that it's so much more important on who you allow to, to influence you and who you allow to be in your circle. And, and if there was, if there's one piece of advice I would give all of you is, is be very intentional about cutting out toxic behavior, cutting out toxic relationships, cutting out toxic, anything, anything that doesn't serve you and serve your development, your growth. Um, you have to have goals, uh, really clear goals as far as what you want to achieve in life. Um, you're young. And so you guys are, 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 are developing your life experience as you go, but to know where you want to be one year from now is something you should have extreme clarity on and to know who the people are or the circumstances are. And, and when I say toxic, it, it could be, you know, food, it could be substances, it could be people, it could be anything that, that could be toxic that could derail you in any way and cut it out of your life, you know, block certain people on social media, block phone numbers. So they can't text or call. Um, don't, don't allow them in your circles on, on at the school, you know, be very guarded about that. And if you, if you replace toxic people and toxic behaviors, um, with people that are going to facilitate you, um, like what you guys are doing here and the, and the people that are on this call, um, that is going to serve you very, very well. And that is something that will, that will serve you your entire life. Um, and it's just something that will pay, pay dividends in, and you'll avoid all kinds of heartache, heartache, all kinds of pain. Um, and really is, is one of the biggest things that will set you up for success. Mm -hmm. Thank you, sir. And when you say, when you say toxic things, that's anything that doesn't aid you for self-improvement or doesn't aid your journey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, um, it, it, again, it, it kind of ties into, um, uh, choosing hard over easy, right? Like, like, uh, fast food, let's take fast food, for example. Um, the cost of a, of, of a, of a Big Mac meal at McDonald's is, is much less than going to the store and, and buying healthy food, right? You can, it costs more money to buy a, a bag of salad and, and, and dressing and some fixing for it than it does to go and get a couple of Big Mac meals at McDonald's. Um, and, and so in some ways it can kind of feel like, and keep in mind that oftentimes our feelings are liars, but there's a lot of times where it can feel like the odds are stacked against us. Mm -hmm. And if we just take nutrition, for example, just to make it an easy thing, um, there's no question that a Big Mac meal is not good for us, right? We, we all know that the nutritional value of anything that comes out of McDonald's or Taco Bell or any of these places, nothing, virtually nothing that comes out of those places is anything that our body wants or needs to thrive. And, and these companies, they purposely create and manufacture with machines and chemicals substances that cause certain parts of our brain to, to want, want it from a chemical standpoint, but it's not the kind of stuff that really, um, really your body needs or wants to grow and to thrive and to be healthy, right? So when I talk about cutting out toxic things, it's recognizing things that, that your mind needs to be healthy, that your body needs to be healthy. And that you yourself need to be healthy and whole if you're going to help other people be healthy and whole, right? You can't give what you don't have. And so you need to cut out the things that, 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 that take away from you becoming your whole, true, great self 
so that you can help others in the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you, sir. That's, that's great. Something I'm for sure going to use. Awesome. I mean, that's, you know, I love the, the nutrition analogy and we get this, you know, I get it quite a bit. I'll get it from my own family members where it's, you know, Hey, should I, I would love to add some, you know, some, some vegetables to the diet. I would love to add some collagen to the diet. I would love to add, and that's, and I'm always all for that. That's great. Adding the good things is great, but don't forget to eliminate the bad. A lot of times progress is made because you eliminate the bad even more so than just adding the good. Right. It's you're creating yeah. that sculpture, that masterpiece. Sometimes it needs a little extra clay, but sometimes you need to chip away. Right. Sometimes yeah. you need to take that stone that's already there and you just need to chip away the stuff that doesn't matter so that you can bring that masterpiece out. Eliminating that yeah. the bad is just as important for progress. That's that's uh, that's addition through subtraction. That's right, right? man. That's exactly that's a, that's a valuable lesson. Yep. What Matt's bringing up is, is there's a lot of times where you can you can add a whole lot to your life to your bank account, to your experiences, to, to what you can contribute by, by subtracting other things out of your life. Um, so addition through subtraction is a real thing when what you're subtracting are the things that don't serve you That's and right. serve the, your mission and, and your, your goals. That's right. Yep. So good. All right. Will Graves, you're up, sir. Uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, uh, you mentioned you were uh, a police officer and you were in the SWAT teams. Uh, that is the occupation that has my attention right now. How did you, what was the training like for SWAT teams? What was the most difficult part of that? And what was the most difficult part about the police academy as well? Yeah, so some of the most challenging, some of the funnest times of my life for sure. Well, um, what I'll tell you is that if it's a profession that you're looking to get into, um, uh, first of all, you know, when it comes to preparing yourself for that, um, the decisions you make now will determine whether or not, um, that's a profession that you can actually, um, get into, right. Um, who you're hanging around, what decisions you make. There's a lot of peer pressure that's going on along, uh, right now for, for, um, you know, your age group and, and it only will continue throughout your high school year. Um, stay away from drugs and alcohol, stay away from, um, uh, uh, stealing stuff, stay away from things that, that will, that will put distance between you and this goal that you, you have right now of getting into law enforcement. It's a very noble profession. Um, don't look at, um, what, uh, the media says about the profession because the, the media has an agenda and I don't care which, which news channel you watch, the media has an agenda. And I can tell you that the support for law enforcement uh, massively outweighs uh, the the people who are calling for things like defund the police and saying that that police are are bad. Um, the 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 support is there and it's there overwhelmingly to those that may say. So um, I, I say that simply because I, I understand the environment that it's in. Some of my closest friends are 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 still in it, um, and. Um, and it's a very noble profession. It's a, it's a, it's a very fun profession as well. The reason why I got into law enforcement is because I believe that, uh, I believe in the American dream. And I believe that everybody should have their version of the American dream, what they feel they want to pursue and achieve in life. We live in the greatest country in the world. We're very fortunate for that. Uh, we're very blessed for that. And, um, I also know and recognize that there are people 
in every community that would stand in the way of good people going out pursuing their dreams, whether that's through a home invasion or a carjacking or a robbery or an active shooter. There are people in our communities who will stand in the way and they'll either exploit opportunities or they'll create opportunities to victimize. And I wanted to be the person that stood in between the two. Um, so as far as the academy goes, it was, it was grueling. Um, it was uh, uh, 16 weeks of really just being pushed um, physically, mentally. They, it's very important that law enforcement um, really just brings out the, uh, the best. Um, and, you know, you have a lot of authority. When you talk about um, being in law enforcement, you have the ability to take people's freedoms away. And, um, and you know, living in this country and being free citizens, you know, when, when somebody is given that authority to say you're under arrest and that person is no longer free to go out and walk around and do what they want to do, um, that, that comes with a tremendous amount of authority. So you have to have a tremendous amount of integrity. Um, you have to be tremendously honest and, and be doing the right things for the right reasons. So they really instill that in you. Um, and, uh, and so it's just a blend of knowing the laws and, and, uh, and really making sure that the right people are, are doing the right things, that there's people there that um, uh, are, are really wanting to impact communities in a positive way. Um, SWAT training was, um, was um, it was, it was intense. It was very, very intense. I mean, that you're talking about special operations, uh, SWAT in this case, they're the ones that get called when the police need help, right? When the police are dealing with a circumstance so severe, the police call SWAT to come in and, and we're the ones that come in with these, with all the special toys and the armored vehicles and the explosives and, um, and the training It's very high risk. And so, um, you know, you, you, you need, as you get to that stage in life, need to have um, a partner, um, you know, uh, that supports that, that kind of risk as well. And really make sure that you understand who you, who you choose to make your life partner is along the ride with you. And this is, it would be a very selfish thing to think that you could take on a high risk circumstance, a high risk profession. Um, and, and they're not along with that journey and worry for you. Um, all along the way. So um, just some real high level stuff. It's amazing. I had, a, I, I was involved in some really, really incredible things. I got to help a lot of people. I was involved in a lot of really tragic things. Um, you know, there's when SWAT gets involved um, a lot of times it, there's, there's, they'll give up and they will comply, but there are times where they won't and you have to be prepared for having to make those, those really tough decisions um, that, um, you know, they, they created the circumstance. They, they created the, the environment in which a decision needs to be made, but you may have to be the one that makes a decision to take a life. And that's, that's part of what is involved with special operations. Um, and that's, that's part of the training and, and exposure that, that happens uh, within the profession. But it's awesome. I, I love it. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. All right, Paul, you're up, sir. Um, first of all, uh, can, you can hear me, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, thank you for coming on the call, sir. Um, my question is, uh, what do you think every father should do specifically for their children? Hmm. Wow. That's mm -hmm. a, that's a deep question. That a deep one. That's a, that's <laughs> a deep question, Paul. I'm trying to think how I'd answer um, that. Let, 
let me try to answer it this way because because I'm figuring that out as I go, Paul, because of my, my background, my experience, right? So a lot of the things that I do for my son and for my wife are based off of the things I learned what not to do based on my experience. And so um, what, what not to do um, is, is um, and I don't know all of your guys' circumstances, so maybe you, you guys are experiencing this in, in some degrees or, or another. I know a little bit about Malachi's experience um, from going through this wire, but I, I learned um, the importance of being present. I learned the importance of, of being engaged. Um, I, I learned that, um, that there's, a, there's a distinction that needs to be made between being a friend and a father, um, where it, 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 as a father... Um, you have to, um, you have to be, have a relationship in which they are willing to talk to you. Um, but not something to where, um, you're not putting, putting the, them on the, on the right course. Right. So I had of all these guys that came through, some of them wanted to just be the friend and they gave me way too much freedom. And that freedom led to making bad decisions and getting into, you know, into mischief. And, and I never got into really substantial trouble, but I was given a little bit more to latitude. And then I had others that were way too strict and they were, they, 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 as a young man, I would, I would go down the rebelling route. Um, and that led to problems. And so there's a balance that needs to be struck there with between being a father and being a friend. Um, I think having an open and honest, uh, relationship is, is massively important. Um, supporting, uh, kids and, and young men and, 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 you know, they, they want to, they want to feel supported. They want to feel safe. And I, it's my job as a father to, to create that environment. I need to create safety and security. And part of that is, is, um, is my ability to know how to protect physically protect my family and my home. Um, when we're out and about, it's, it's a big reason why I do jujitsu. It's a big reason why I, I, um, really got proficient with, with, um, firearms is, is in case the worst thing were to happen, I, I can physically protect them, but it's also my responsibility to ensure they can protect themselves as well, because I'm not, I'm not there. So that's why they also do jujitsu. My wife and son do jujitsu as well. Um, I need to provide security and safety financially, um, as the head of the household. Um, I need to be able to make sure that my wife, uh, is, is, unconcerned about the bills that we have. I need to make sure that, that, that I create an environment where we are not slave to our debtors. We have virtually no debt um, to speak of. And that brings a lot of peace. That brings a lot of, of comfort and security. Um, uh, money is a mechanism, is a vehicle to freedom. Um, it, it gives a lot of freedom in a lot of ways. Uh, and I, I, um, uh, see it as my responsibility to provide that and create that for my wife and then for my son. So any, any, any adventure or any circumstance or environment that they, uh, want, um, that we can, we can facilitate that. Mm-hmm. So being present, being a provider, being a protector, uh, being a presider, um, are, are all, um, massively important things. I think that, that, um, that a father should represent. And again, I, I extract a lot of those lessons from what I did not have and what was missing um, from my environment. And, um, and unfortunately I can see the effects of that in my brothers, my two brothers who um, they at the fork in the road of repeat the cycle or, or, or not um, 
one of them has definitely repeated the cycle. He's got three kids by three different women. He's been, um, you know, divorced, uh, twice and, um, he's three years younger than I am. So, um, does that answer your question? Yes, sir. Thank it, you. It's a complex one. Yeah. It's a complex is, one. Being, being a father is one is an amazing thing. Um, it, it's a challenge. I wish I could keep my son from growing up. Um, but I also know also, uh, um, put a final point on it this way. I also know it's my responsibility, Paul, to make sure that I don't raise a son who ends up becoming a child in an adult's body, mm-hmm. an adult man's body. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of men out there right now who they are emotionally immature. Their, their, um, their EQ, their emotional coefficient is very low. And so they walk around blaming other people. They, they, they don't take accountability. Um, they, they don't have any financial security. They, they, they blame the government. They blame, you know, whoever they blame everybody else. They don't take um, any responsibility for their life. And all the while, um, they, they're not creating any kind of impact or legacy. And, um, and I see it as a responsibility for me not to raise a son who ends up being a, a grown man uh, with a childlike mentality like we see um, out there. So I also need to make sure he's learning a lot of really important life lessons and is, um, is growing and maturing as, as, as heartbreaking as that is for me. And as I'm sure how, as heartbreaking is for your parents to watch you grow and, and kind of become your own. Um, we want you to stay young and small forever, but if we, if we, if we don't facilitate that growth, we can't stop your age. Right. Uh, we can't stop that, 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 you know, you continuing to, to progress age wise, but we certainly can be the one that prevents you from progressing maturity wise and emotionally wise. And that's a, I see it as a failure totally. on, on the father's part of, if, if that's the case. Totally. Totally. One of the, you know, uh, so, uh, some really good stuff there to unpack. And one of the, um, you know, uh, ways that I make money here in these last seven, eight years is travel around and working with a lot of organizations, Fortune 500s around the world and gotten to give 400-ish keynotes um, over those last, you know, seven, eight years, right? And we're talking about, um, we'd almost always be talking about generational trends and generational concepts and, and the younger generation, how to uh, you know, re- find good ones, retain, motivate, lead, you know, what do those things look like? Helping young people coming into the workforce, understanding how to engage, how to actually stop playing school and start actually, you know, making an impact in life, right? So we're having these conversations. One of the things that I would always ask is, and this was anywhere in the world, I'd say, okay, well, if I give you this, if I give you this term, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And the term is, millennial now people don't really know what a millennial is they just it's essentially in this uh country has become to mean like you're younger than me and and i hate you for it right i mean that's that's kind of like you're a young person you're automatically a millennial right yeah but i ask so like what is the number one thing you think of guaranteed within the top two or three answers entitlement is the thing that comes up. And this was literally anywhere I was in the world. It wasn't even just in the United States. Entitlement, right? There's this concept. And I think there is a little bit of this, you know, kind of a generational thing where older people always kind of look at younger people and go, ah, they're they're so entitled. But I think there is also data to support the younger generation now having more entitlement. So I love what you said on that. You know, we want to equip these young guys so they're not the 30-year-old men living in the parents' basement you know, and, and thinking that everything is owed to them, you know, that's a, it's a yeah. big issue that we're facing. It is a big issue, you know, and it, and it, 
that that topic kind of drives me nuts too, Matt. Yeah. I gotta be honest because yeah. because you know you hear people talk about first of all millennials now. I think the youngest millennial is turning like mid twenties right now, right? So it's like this group isn't even represent millennials if I if I'm not mistaken. And if you're well, um, they don't. Then none of them are. And if and if we're gonna go by the actual uh, trends as far as like behaviors, I'm a. I'm a millennial. I don't know if you see this white in my beard, but I just turned 42 and I'm on the upper end of what a millennial, right? Right on the cusp of that millennial Gen Z, or I'm sorry, Gen X uh, kind of yeah. thing, right? So I'm in that mix too. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. But it's it's not when you hear like entitled or lazy um, or any of the things that describe the the youth of America, which which I think is, is um, really what a lot of people are describing the millennial is just kind of the, the tag that gets attached to right. it. Um, it drives me crazy because it's not, it's not, if you have it, if that's the case, that it's the parents, it's that generation that are the problem. Yep. Right. If, if right. we have a bunch of youth that are, that are entitled and lazy and all the things that, that, um, that are described to be in a negative way, it's not their fault if they were raised in an environment where that was facilitated and allowed, if, if you say all they do is play video games all day and, you know, and they all they eat is Cheetos and they, well then Stop take the damn those game cancel a console away, yep. turn off the Wi-Fi, don't buy the Cheetos. You know, it, it's, it, it's, um, it drives me crazy because it's, it, that's, that's people pointing the finger at the generation that is a, does a byproduct of failed, parenting that's right and and i think that that it's a it's a tough thing for for somebody to look inward and say my kid is doing x y and z uh and it's my fault and i think in general and if there's a kind of a, a lesson you, i know you guys um follow jocko and and um and um and um david goggins and mm -hmm. a lot of these guys everybody preaches the same thing and if there's if there's one thing to to really pay attention to is that success leaves clues Right. And when all the, all the most successful people are all saying the same thing, pay attention to that. That's right. And, and one thing that you're going to hear all the successful people talk about is accountability is taking accountability for your own actions um, and, and not pointing the finger. When you point the finger at other people that is giving them control of your circumstance of your life, because you're saying it's their fault, which means they're in control instead you need to look inward and these parenting look inward and, and, and you guys are all now old enough where you need to be doing the same thing. You're not, you're not young kids anymore. If you're spending too much time on, on video games and your, your, your weight's not uh, where it should be. And you're just, you're not feeling good or you're unhealthy. Um, you're not making money at, at, at this stage. I think all of you should be making money at some, uh, on some capacity right now. Um, but, uh, um, there is accountability that needs to come. So anyways, I, I'm off on a tangent no, on that, but that whole, that whole topic, dude, I'm it, with it's you. the parents that facilitated that spot on, man. You got parents that are, you know, putting Kool-Aid in the engine and then blaming the car for breaking down, you know, and that's, right. that's exactly what's happening, man. I could not agree more. And I also love what you said in Kaleo. I know I'm going to call on you right next, but I'm, I, I like what you Parenting is a complex, going back to kind of that question from, from Paul, parenting is a complex thing, but it really goes back to some of the same simple basic truths, right? And we were talking before about adding the good is awesome. Eliminating the bad is also awesome. And so as a father, yeah. you are doing that too. You're adding, you're adding to the family's income, but you're also being smart about eliminating debt. Those are not, right. the, those are not 
necessarily the same thing. They can be, but they're not necessarily the same thing, right? And so you're eliminating you're eliminating the fear and the trepidation and the warrior that comes with financial woes, and and you know, so which in turn allows you to increase the amount of positivity and productive production. You know, so it's these these same kind of concepts come to mind. They just play out in different arenas. You know, I love that. All right. Yeah. All right, Cleo, you're up, sir. Thank you very much, sir, for coming on. Uh, so I was going to ask you, as I take on more and more responsibilities and uh, just have less and less time uh, for for myself, um, I was wondering because I, I have all these things and I'm and I'm somewhat successful balancing uh, school, uh, the apogee program, work, jujitsu, wrestling, um, but at that point, there's barely any time for uh, just, you know, relationships and the people that I care about. And so I was wondering how I should balance that and how influential, uh, you, you know, those, those relationships are, because I know a job is teaching me a lot. I know jujitsu is teaching me a lot. My school is definitely teaching me a lot. Um, and so I was wondering, uh, how, you know, um, I guess sort of what is the value of other people and how I should balance that with my, uh, you know, with my, with my work. Cleo, that's a, that's an awesome question, dude. And what I'll tell you is that, is that balance is a myth. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when something is balanced, it's perfectly balanced. What's the, what's the rating or the, the, the numeric value that's given to something that's balanced is zero and zero. You, 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 you won't find balance when you're pursuing greatness and, um, Everybody has the same hours in a day, the same days in a week. Everybody's afforded the same opportunity to be great. Uh, it, the, the problem that sometimes people uh, find themselves in is they're trying to strike a balance where a balance can't be struck. And what I mean by that is if you have major goals and aspirations to achieve greatness, that requires a tremendous amount of discipline. It requires a, a tremendous amount of dedication and effort. And, um, it requires you doing the things that other people talk about or think about, right. And something has got to give at, at some point. And so it really just becomes a matter of knowing what's priority, right? What are, what are the priorities of your life? Um, who are the priorities of your life and making sure that, that it, there's clarity around that. And that if you're going to say, um, you, um, you are th- this jujitsu is a priority, but so is wrestling. Okay. Well then you, then they're on the top ends of your list, right? But if school starts to fail or you start to slip in your grades, it's, it's not because you haven't struck a balance it's because you might be putting too much into wrestling or too much in jujitsu and not enough work in, in your school. Right. So it just, it becomes building a, a, a priority list. And ultimately you're going to have some things that are, that fall at the bottom of that list. And the question is, what are those things? And, and are those the things that should be there? Right. Um, you know, a lot of times people, the investment that they make in themselves personally, um, with the books that they read with what they allow to be in their mind, um, with the, uh, with their nutrition, those things that those, those slip to the bottom of the list. And then they start to wonder why it is they're tired all the time and they're, um, they're, you know, they just don't feel good. And it's because they let these other things slip to down far down the priority list. And they're now they're, uh, experiencing the results. So what I would tell you is 
you have the same amount of hours of it as everybody else. Uh, being efficient with your time is very important. Um, you know, there's opportunities to learn and grow by doing things like listening to a podcast or a book when you're driving versus the radio. Um, there's, there's ways of kind of expediting the amount of time that it takes to, to get to a place of success by just being strategic and, um, but also not falling into the trap of trying to strike a balance because a, a balance is a net zero. And that's, that's, that's just kind of every, all things are equal, right? Well, if all things are equal, there's, there's no growth. And it truly, if there's no growth, then there's, there's death, right? There's no kind of like, you don't stay, every living thing trends towards death. Every living thing trends towards death. So we're either growing or we're dying. And in order to grow, you need to be in a net positive. So there's no balance. There's going to be things that are lower on the priority list. And you just have to be very aware and deliberate about what those things are. Mm-hmm. Thank you, sir. Fantastic wisdom. Yeah. I love the, uh, I love You're the mathematical, welcome, I love the mathematical equation on that too. It's clear. It was one of the things you said was, you know, what about, you know, I got time for all these, I'm taking on all those responsibilities. When do I have time for myself? Those responsibilities are building into yourself. Those are the, like, those are every one of those responsibilities you're taking on is increasing the value. If we're going to do that, like on a, on a numerical, you know, standpoint, they're increasing the value of Kaleo. So in that regard, all of a sudden you've got this really full cup of Kaleo that when you do have those times with the relationship, you've got all of this to pour out and to pour into those relationships. Whereas if you took all that time and didn't do anything to build that up, it doesn't matter how much time you're spending in those other relationships. You don't necessarily have anything to give. And if they don't necessarily have anything to give, you can have all the time in the world sitting next to somebody. But if there's no conversation that takes place, if there's no connection that takes place, doesn't matter. Proximity is great, but proximity isn't the only piece of that, right? So you're bringing all that to the table because of all those responsibilities, because of all those experiences, because of all that growth, right? So it's just, yeah, Matt, and I, I, I love, I love that you bring the cup thing into it. And Malachi, perhaps this happened in the, um, in the squire program. I'm not sure if this, if this exercise happened, but if you, if you think about having a cup and having big rocks and, and small rocks and then, and then, um, sand and water, right? The order, and let's say these are all things that you want to fill into your cup, right? This is, these are all the things you want to have in your life. If you're not strategic uh, about, about the order in which things get put into your cup, it's, it's not all going to fit, right? So you've got to start with your biggest, most important things first. You've got to get those, those in there first, and then you get the medium ones. And then you, you, um, you get those and you shake the cup up and they kind of will settle down in there. And then you get the sand and you, you put it on there and you shake it and it'll, it'll start to fit in all the other spaces that are open around your big rocks and medium rocks. Right. And it will find its place. Yep. And then you can finally add the water in and whatever space is left, the, the right. water will take up that space. Right. But if you, if you approach it the wrong way, and let's say you did the, the sand first, which is all the, the, the stuff that really doesn't matter, but it's, it's maybe fun to do. It's video games. It's, 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 you know, whatever, whatever the stuff is that really doesn't matter. And then you do the, the medium rocks and then you do the water and then you do, by the time you try to get to the big rocks, they just, they simply don't fit anymore. Yep. So a lot of times it's not a matter of, of, you know, it, it's just, it becomes a matter of just prioritizing the, the order in which things are done. And if you, if you're strategic about it, you can get it all in there. Um, as long as your order is correct, if you're, if you're out of order, don't be surprised when the biggest, most important things don't fit and there's consequences for that. That's exactly right. Yep. Well said. 
Um, so Malachi, you're going to have the last one, sir, so we can honor Mr. Schneider's time. So you've got the last one, my friend. Go for it. Thank you, sir. It's good to see you again. Yes. And so my question is, I know a lot in the Squire, we talked about that money should be working for you. You shouldn't be working for money. Um, so, um, I want to ask for somebody who, you know, just is starting to get a job or just is starting to have a little bit of money. What are ways that they can, um, take that money and use it to grow, um, both themselves and the amount of money that they have. Awesome. I love it. Guys, if, if, if there's, if there's a few things I could, I could pass down to you and, and something that I wish would have been passed down to me when I was your age, it's to understand a handful of things about money. The first is, is some people have a, they have a, um, a bad relationship with the thought of money. Um, they, they, they have, they have a relationship with money that, um, that is out of sync where it's where, where it should be. Guys, money is a vehicle to freedom. Money is a vehicle to happiness. Now, what you want to be free from and what makes you happy, that differs, right? Maybe somebody, it, it, it makes them happy to be able to write freely a $20,000 check to the charity of their choice every month. Maybe that happiness is being able to collect up whoever, whoever whatever friends you want and take them on a trip to Greece um, or you know, Ireland or whatever for an all expenses, you know, trip, or it could be a Ducati. It could be whatever, right? Everybody's version of what makes them happy, uh, changes, but money is a vehicle to that money is a vehicle to freedom. It's a vehicle to, 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 um, happiness. It's also a vehicle to security. Money allows you to isolate yourself from a lot of the the insecurities of the world, right? So there's, there's a tremendous amount of things we do not have any kind of, of control over. What's happening in the White House with the, 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 the president, with the coronavirus that is now you know, in Africa, but it's, it's now in the States and travel restrictions and, and what's happening with oil prices. There's all kinds of things that, that impact, um, impact us that we have no control over. And money allows us to insulate ourselves from it. Don't be shy uh, about wanting to be unreasonably wealthy because you can, you can offer yourself and your families and your loved ones and your community uh, so much more. The more money you have, the more you can offer, right? Um, you don't want to be stingy or selfish with it. You want to use it for positive things, for things that are going to help others. Um, but man, it is really, really nice to have a lot of money and not have to worry about about the things that so many other people, people do. Um, and so to, to kind of answer your question, Malachi is, um, is be smart with your money. Um, understand that your money can work for you if you make it and what you spend your money on is, is really important when it comes to how you make money. The, the recipe is very simple guys. There, there is, there is an, there is an ungodly amount of money being exchanged from person to person on a daily basis. There is no shortage of money out there uh, that, that would be freely flowing into your hands, into your account um, at, at any given time. What you have to figure out how to do is solve problems for other people. The bigger the problem you can solve for other people, and the bigger the pain point you can solve for other people, the more money they will gladly exchange for you to do it. 
So that's the, that's what you really need to figure out is, is how do you do work uh, that solves the pain for other people and, and knowing what is that pain you want to solve? Who is, who is the, the specific avatar, the specific person um, or persons you want to help solve that problem and really just niching down into it. There's a saying out there that the, the riches are in the niches. So really just having a lot of clarity on who you want to help, what their problems are and what uh, services or products or offerings you can give that, that is the solution to their problem. And you'll be amazed at how much money you can charge. Just, just not to showboat, but just to show you an example of the kind of stuff that's real is, is my coaching program that Matt put the link to. If, if you guys checked out the website, I charge $2,500 a month per coaching client. And that's for two hours of my time a month. Every other week, we meet for one hour. So if you think about it, um, I'm paid, uh, uh, what is it, $1,250, what is it, 20, yeah, $1,250, right, per, per hour is what I get paid. 20, 200, uh, that's more than surgeons make. That's more than, I mean, and, and, and I, it's, and people are happy to pay it because I literally help people make tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and millions of dollars, depending on how big their business is and how, how uh, much they're able to scale. But I helped the company last year make two, uh, over $2 million. It, it uh, drive $2 million more money into their, into their business. And it costs them, it costs them uh, $30,000 a year to do that. Uh, would you pay $30,000 a year to, to earn $2 million? It's a no brainer, right? I, I have figured out how to help people within business, uh, within leadership, um, uh, make a substantial amount of money for themselves to where they are happy to exchange uh, $1,250 an hour, $2,500 a month for two hours of my time. And that's just, that's just uh, through a Zoom call, right? So um, that's what I would tell you, Malachi, is figure out how to solve other people's problems. And the bigger the problem that you can solve for them, the happier they're going to, uh, to exchange money for it. And as long as the value you're providing is worth the, the, the money, never feel guilty about collecting a substantial amount of money for your time and energy because uh, of the value you're giving. That's right. That's right. Beautiful. Beautiful. What do you think, Malachi? That is, that's really nice. And I think that builds a lot on, um, things that we did inquire, you know, like things that questions that came up after. So I'm glad I got to ask that. And, um, that was a, that was a pretty cool answer. So thank you, sir. Yeah. And keep in mind too, um, you should always have a minimum of three income streams, right? Three to five income streams. So if you guys, if you guys recognize, I I'm the executive VP of a, of a software company, a $120 million software company, my coaching problem, uh, a problem, not a problem, coaching <laughs> a program at uh, $2,500 a month, $1,250 an hour. Um, the Squire program, the project, Operation Black Site, I have five revenue streams, right, um, that are all diversified in various ways to where if anything would ever happen, if I get, if I get eliminated, uh, terminated, laid off or whatever, I, I can't really from my software company because I have actually an equity in it. Um, so, but let's say worst thing happens, I stop getting a paycheck from there. Um, I've got these other revenue streams that help us continue on without even skipping a beat. And what I'll do is I will find that fifth revenue stream to incorporate it, but have multiple revenue streams that are diversified and then just 
solve a lot of problems, charge a lot of money doing it, put a lot of money in the bank, reinvest it in, in, in other people and other, other projects that are, that are helping others, and then go out and change the world with it. Give yourself security, give yourself freedom, um, give other people experiences, uh, and, 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 and just keep building off of it. That's it, man. That is it. And the, and the hack of all of that goes right back to what we talked about towards the very beginning. You just do that and work towards that every day. Yeah. You do it today and you do it tomorrow and then you do it the next day. And then when it gets really, really hard, you double time and you keep going. That's the hack, man. That's the, yeah. that's the secret right there. You know, it's beautiful. Nobody's going to give it to you. Yeah, nobody's going nobody's to give it to gonna you. Give it because the rent is due every day, That's we right, say. Man. The rent is due every day. That's right. Maddie, dude, so so grateful for you, man. How do we support you? Again, this is going to go out to uh, to all the listeners of the Essential 11 as well. So where can we send people? How can we support you, my friend? Guys, I would, I would just love to connect on, on uh, Instagram. Um, to go to Matt Schneider underscore official. I, I'd love to connect with you guys there. Um, I, you know, if you guys ever need anything, ever want to take my brain or advice, um, I'm happy to jump on a zoom call or just connect uh, via DM. But, um, one of the things I really try to use my, my Instagram for is to motivate others, um, inspire others. Um, it's a reciprocated thing because I, I, um, I, I gain energy from, from everyone else as well. And so, um, let's connect there. Of course, I've got my website, but, um, those are, I'm not here to sell anything. I'm here to just, if I can be anything of any service to you, uh, did ever anything I can do in any fashion, I, I'd love for you to reach out. Know that the, the, the answer is always no, unless you ask in life. So if you ever have anything that you need or want, um, you need to go out and pursue it. Uh, you need to ask for it and you need to be able to put in the work, um, to get it done. Um, and if I can be a vehicle to anything, uh, along those lines for you, I, I I'm happy to do that. That's awesome, man. I appreciate that greatly, brother. You guys, let's give a big thanks to Mr. Schneider. Thanks, sir. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, sir. Have a good day. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you, Maddie. I'll reach out a little later, man. Again, I just want to send you something, a little thank you, but a uh, huge, huge thanks, man. I appreciate you greatly. My pleasure. Same here, guys. Go forth and conquer. Yes, sir. There you go, man. Give him a follow at Matt Schneider underscore official. You can uh, find out about his coaching through ignitionyear.com and definitely follow all those guys at the Modern Day Night Project and uh, Squire Program and and everything they're doing, man. Pouring into into men and young men uh, all over the world, man. So super grateful, super grateful for all those guys. Grateful for you listening and uh, sharing and writing reviews and all that good stuff, man. I appreciate you and we'll catch you next time on The Essential 11.